Very good morning to you all. Very good morning to those of you who are watching online, whether live now or um, on the internet later on. We unfortunately only have one working camera at the moment, which is why you're just seeing me right on the edge of your screen and why when that I may disappear when I start playing the keyboard. So um, do bear with us. I shall try and make sure I stay within camera shot as much as I can. Anyway, a very warm welcome. It's nice to be back. Um, it's a holy co combined Holy Communion service. Our theme this morning was starting a short service on uh, a short series, rather, on God's love. And the theme today is the God who expresses covenant love. 
and Peter will be preaching on that later on from the, from the first few verses of Hosea. Not much else to, um, to say in, uh, as far as notices are concerned. Um, during the sermon, uh, Rachel is sat at her table right, right at the back. Give us a rave, wave, Rachel. Okay. Any children or anybody who gets bored in the sermon can go and do crafts instead. Uh, but she'll be there, um, and that will start after the intercessions. We have our memorial service this afternoon at four o'clock. This is where we give people who have lost, lost loved ones in the last few years a time to come and meet with God and to be touched by him and blessed by him as they adjust to life without their loved ones. Please pray for that. Come along if you want. Um, but please pray for that, that God would be present and that people who come would meet with him and be comforted and be strengthened and encouraged. Because of that, uh, there is a little bit of um, furniture rearranging that needs doing. And if anybody who is able-bodied or male or female or otherwise willing to help, <laughs> please come and get, please stay behind at the end of the service because we'll need to get some... Uh, some t extra tables put out, and I don't know what else we need. Uh, Cheryl's curling her eyes up in embarrassment at me. <laughs> Never mind. And also, um, Christmas is coming. Yeah. Thumbs up from, uh, from Fred. Everybody else is shaking their heads, I think. But that means carol service on the 28th, uh, sorry, on the 28th, <laughs> on the 18th of um, December, which is the Sunday before Christmas. And that means we're going to start uh, um, reconvening the community choir. We'll actually start rehearsals on the uh, Sunday the 13th of November at 3 o'clock, same as, as usual. Anybody would be very welcome. Um, just come along, no auditions, anything like that. All um, on-the-job training will be given, as I, uh, say, as I said. You will be getting an email about this fairly shortly, but please put that, name, that um, date in your diaries, and we'd love to see, we'd love to see as many as possible. And please pray for that service. We have a lot of people from the village coming and joining the choir or coming and joining the, uh, the service. It is a great opportunity for the gospel to be heard. So please pray that uh, those who come would be touched by Jesus. Thank you. As we start our service, let's be quiet for a moment. Just remember that as God's children, we're coming into his presence. And as we are, we can come right into his presence. Remember that the veil in the temple that was torn from top to bottom when Jesus died means that God is saying the way is open through Jesus because of what Jesus has done for us. So in faith, let us come into God's presence and say together our opening prayer. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hidden, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. David writes the following words in uh, the beginning of Psalm 108. My heart, O God, is steadfast. I will sing and make music with all my soul. 
Awake, harp and lyre. I will awaken the dawn. I will praise you, O Lord, among the nations. I will sing of you among the peoples, for great is your love, higher than the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches to the skies. So be exalted, O God, above the heavens. And let your glory be known over all the earth. So let's stand and sing. I know the dawn is past. It was an hour earlier this morning because of the clocks. And let's sing a um, couple of songs. First one based very much on that song. Uh, I will give thanks to thee. risen glorified and we sing at your feet we fall mighty risen lord
You alone are the Most High, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit, in the glory of God the Father. Amen. Amen. Would you like to be seated? We're going to do things in a slightly different order this morning. As we are gathered in the Lord's presence, as we, as we gaze on him, seated at the right hand of the Father, we ask him to receive our prayers. So we're going to bring our prayers to him now. And rather than just me... Um, spout a whole load of uh, things that, uh, that we should pray for. I'm going to, I'm going to open, the, uh, the, um, open the service out, particularly to any families or children who, who might like to suggest things we could pray for. So um, those of you watching online, if I suddenly disappear off screen with the roving mic, please bear with me. I will come back. So anybody like to suggest um, something we might like to pray for? I'll bring the microphone down to you. Watch it, adults. I'm keeping my eyes on you if we. <laughs> Fred. Dear Father, our country today is in such a state. We think of our government and we ask, Father, that you remind them of what our late queen stood for. You remind her son also that you are sovereign, sovereign Lord. And Father, we pray that once again you'll bless our MPs, give them wisdom, understanding, and knowledge of where to take our country. Father, we thank you for this. And we realize, Lord, that the situation is not all of our own making. The situation in Ukraine is still ongoing. We pray for the people of Ukraine and their president. Bless them, enrich them, honor them, Lord. And we thank you for all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Fred. There are many other things in the, uh, the world to pray for. Anybody else want to come up with a suggestion? Um, dear Lord, thank you for the family unit and being part of your family and how it brings us strength and courage and faith and help our little boy as he starts a new adventure in a new school and help guide him through his time. Thank you, Lord. You don't have to say a prayer yourself. You can just mention something and I will do the honours if that would be easier for you. Can we pray for Martin and Susie? Certainly. Certainly. Martin and Susie, good child, who are out in, uh, who flew out to Kenya on Wednesday. Let's pray for them. They are, they are uh, again, training up Bible, uh, um, Bible teachers, pastors within an area of Kenya. So let's pray, pray for them. Lord, as we've prayed before, we pray for a spirit of wisdom and understanding to, f to fall on Martin and Susie and all those who are listening to their teaching. We ask you, Lord, to anoint them with your Holy Spirit, 
that they may speak clearly, they may understand clearly, and Lord, that they would meet, all would meet with you and know that you are God, that you are Lord, that you are Saviour, and they would have their eyes open to see all that you have for them. And we pray for those pastors, Lord. We pray for strength, for discernment, for wisdom, for courage, Lord, as they lead their own congregations. We pray for all Martin and Susie's needs. We pray in particular, Lord, for the heat, which I know Susie finds difficult. Please bless them both and keep them in good health. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Anybody, anybody else? Um, Lord, I just would like to pray for the memorial service today. Lord, for each person that comes, um, that you would meet them. Lord, that they would feel your hand on them as they are dealing with the loss of their loved ones. And Lord, I just pray for all of us involved in the service that we would be very aware of um, your peace and your presence with us. Amen. Thank you, Cheryl. I think also it would be good to pray for all those who were bereaved in soul last night. For all those who've lost people in that uh, terrible crush. Figures stand at about 145 or, or something like that and uh, may well rise. Let's Let's pray for all those who minister God's grace in that country. There is a strong Christian presence in Seoul. So let's pray for them now. Lord, whenever we hear of a natural disaster like this, our hearts go out to the people who are injured and the people who are bereaved. Lord, we know that you mourn when we mourn. Your heart breaks when our heart breaks. And we ask you, Lord, to come and minister to those who are grieving, those who are suffering. And we ask you, Lord, to anoint those in that country who know you, that they might be a channel for your comfort to these people. Because we ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you all for your contributions. Let's stand. Before Cheryl comes and brings us the reading, um, we're going to sing one more song. Let's stand and sing. It's Our God is a Great Big God. And it's to remind us that we don't just pray. We're praying to a God who is capable of anything. If we can open our eyes to see it, our God is a big God. So let's stand and sing that together now.
Rachel, um, as I said, is sitting at the back. If any of uh, the children want to uh, go and do some craft activities, in fact, they're there already. So um, Cheryl is going to bring us our reading, and then, I'll, then Peter will come and preach. Our reading this morning is from Hosea, chapter 1, verse 1 to 3, and chapter 3, the first verse. The word of the Lord that came to Hosea, son of Beeri, during the reigns of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah, and during the reign of Jeroboam, son of Joash, king of Israel. When the Lord began to speak through Hosea, the Lord said to him, Go marry a promiscuous woman and have children with her, for like an ad adulterous wife, this land is guilty of unfaithfulness to the Lord. So he married Gomer, daughter of Diblaim, and she conceived and bore him a son. Chapter 3. The Lord said to me, Go, show your love to your wife again. Though she is loved by another man as an, and is an adulteress, love her as the Lord loves the Israelites, though they turn to other gods and love the sacred raisin cakes. This is the word of the Lord. Peter comes up to um, preach, um, can I lead us all in a prayer for him? Lord, once again we thank you for Peter, we thank you for his vision for this next series of sermons. Lord, as we stand amazed at your love for us, which remains constant despite our many failings, Lord, will you please anoint Peter, give him the wisdom and understanding he needs to expand this passage and please bless him with your peace now. Amen. Mm -hmm. Thank you, John. So, as John said at the start of the service, we are starting a new sermon series today and we're looking at some of the minor prophets. Uh, I stress the word some because there are 12 of them and there aren't 12 Sundays between now and Advent. So, we're starting a, a short sermon series looking at some of the minor prophets uh, between now and the start of Advent. Uh, and uh, when, when you hear minor prophet, a minor prophet isn't less important than a major prophet. So the major prophets are the ones who are the longer prophecies, such as Isaiah and Jeremiah. So they're not less important by being called a minor prophet. Neither are they shorter than the taller prophets. Uh, they are simply called minor prophets because they're shorter books than the major prophets. Um, sometimes, uh, sometimes you may look in your contents page and you think, who are these people? What are these people talking about? And so it's a good thing just to sort of delve into uh, some, some of these prophecies, prophecies from time to time uh, and have a look at what they're saying. Uh, somebody once said to me, it looks like the names of the prophet, these minor prophets are spelt backwards, um, but they're not. But we'll, uh, we'll get to, to hear a little bit about them. The other great thing about this, when you get to heaven and you bump into Zephaniah, you'll be able to say, oh, wonderful book, Zephaniah. I really enjoy reading it. So you'll be, you'll be prepared. Um, so let's look at Hosea. Hosea is the first of the minor prophets. If you haven't got a Bible open, please do. Uh, I've got my own Bible here, so if I tell you the page number, it'll be wrong. Uh, what's the page number, Cheryl? I can see you've got it open. 
Oh, you've got your own Bible. Right, somebody with a church Bible. What's the church Bible? 901, thank you. So page 901 in church Bibles, do have it open before you. It'll help you to follow what I'm saying. So we don't know a lot about Hosea, really. All we know about Hosea is from his book. That's the only source of information we have on this prophet. Uh, but uh, what we know is enough, really, about him because um, it tells us all we need to know. And, and if you look at the first verse of his book, you'll see the context of when he's writing. So chapter 1, verse 1 of Hosea, I'll re read it to you. The word of the Lord that came to Hosea, son of Beeri, during the reigns of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah, and during the reign of Jeroboam, son of Joash, king of Israel. So, historically, we're looking at the mid-8th century BC. Okay, so it's the 750s to 720s BC. This is the time we're looking at historically. And the list of the kings given there, so you've got Uzziah, etc., who are kings of Judah, and then the mention of Jeroboam, son of Joash, king of Israel. And so that's how you can place where... Hosea is historically by the list of the kings that he gives in his own book. Now, one of the crucial factors you need to understand in understanding Hosea is that Israel and Judah are two different kingdoms. Okay, so we get a little bit confused about this sometimes, but uh, historically, uh, in the Old Testament, Israel and Judah are two separate kingdoms. And they have split up, at this point, they're two separate kingdoms because they split up 200 years before in the reign of Solomon. And so Hosea concentrates his prophecy on the northern kingdom, which is Israel. And so we know he lives when he lives. He lives in the 8th century BC. And Israel, the northern kingdom, in, in that time, is a nation in crisis. It's a crisis brought about by many factors, uh, but one of the factors is that there are nations around who are wanting to gobble them up. Quite literally come and invade them and conquer them and, and annihilate them. And at that point, the biggest empire around and about is the Assyrian Empire. Uh, the Assyrian Empire is a huge empire all over that Middle East, part of the Middle East surrounding uh, Israel and Judah. And I wonder if that sounds like a familiar theme to you, a nation in crisis. The world in political and economic and environmental crisis. Uh, the church struggling. The people of God struggling and divided. And here we are, we're in this crisis. At, in, at this point in our lives, our nation is in crisis in, in, in lots of ways. And, and our faith uh, I'm not saying our faith is in crisis, but the church is certainly at odds with each other in many ways. And, uh, and Christianity is at odds with the majority of our culture. And so that's why looking at these minor prophets is so relevant and so important for us, because what he is going through, what they're going through then, uh, it mirrors a lot of what we're going through in our day as well. Now, of course, we can't look at Hosea, all of it, in one sermon. Of course we can't. We haven't got the time. 
But what we can do is, is just focus in on a little bit of it. And, and I've just picked out one verse, which perhaps is a key verse in the whole book. And the key verse I've picked out is one of the verses that uh, uh, Cheryl just read, which is chapter 3, verse 1. So uh, I will read, read, reread that to you as well. So chapter 3, verse 1 says, The Lord said to me, Go show your love to your wife again, though she is loved by another and is an adulteress. Love her as the Lord loves the Israelites, though they turn to other gods and love the sacred raisin cakes. Now this verse, if you like, it sums up the conundrum, the problem, the dilemma, if you like, of God's covenant love with humanity in three ways. Firstly, it sums it up in a very direct way. Because Hosea is asked to reenact his marriage to his unfaithful wife. To take her back, despite the fact she is seriously, seriously, and seriously unfaithful. And to show his love for her once more. So that's the first way that this shows God's covenant love for humanity. Secondly, the second way it shows God's covenant love for, for humanity is that it is showing again God's relationship with Israel. And defining again his relationship with his people Israel as that of the faithful lover who is God. Who loves his covenant partner who is Israel despite the adultery which is played out by Israel turning to other gods again and again. And then the third way that this shows God's unfailing covenant love is by implication. So if God loved Israel despite her imperfections and despite her serial, serial adultery, that means he still loves you and me even though we go our own way, even though we choose to go our own way. And that shows God's grace in action. So let's look at those three ways that this shows the covenant love of God in a little bit more detail. So firstly, God calls Hosea to go back to his unfaithful wife. So we read a little bit of chapter 1 and we read a little bit of chapter 3 and those two chapters are linked in, in all sorts of ways and perhaps one of the most interesting ways that you may not have noticed is that chapter 1 is narrated in the third person and chapter 3 is narrated in the first person. So let's just compare chapter 1 verse 2 with chapter 3 verse 1. So chapter 1 verse 2 of Hosea says this. When the Lord began to speak through Hosea, the Lord said to him, Go, marry a promiscuous woman and have children with her, for like an adulterous wife, this land is guilty of unfaithfulness to the Lord. And then go to uh, chapter 3, verse 1. The Lord said to me, Go show your love to your wife again, though she is loved by another and is an adulteress. Love her as the Lord loves the Israelites, though they turn to other gods and love the sacred raisin cakes. So why is that subtle difference important? Well, it may be speculation to, to suggest this, but by the time we reach chapter 3, Hosea is probably very aware of who is speaking to him. And he's worked out by chapter 3, it's God who is speaking to him. And so therefore he can make these words his own words. 
And so the first words of chapter 3, Hosea is asked to go again and show your love for a woman who is committing adultery. Now the woman that Hosea is asked to go back to is a woman called Gomer. And Hosea has been married to her before. And he's been made a laughingstock by her. You read chapter 1, you'll see that Gomer is and carries on being uh, an adulterous wife. Now you may think, what is the very strange thing for God to ask Hosea to do? Why is he asking Hosea to marry a woman who is almost certainly going to go and sleep with other men? What is going on here? Well, what is going on is a a parable in action. It's, It's showing in action what God is saying to his people and what God's people are doing to him. So Hosea is being asked to marry someone who is unfaithful. It will be unfaithful in the same way God is speaking to his people who are being unfaithful. And so Hosea is being asked to enact in real life what God is experiencing with his people, Israel. Now to make things even worse, Gomer has been apparently been sold into slavery. So if you look at chapter 3 verse 2, You'll see, it says, So I bought her for 15 shekels of silver, and about a homer and a lethic of barley. So not only is she an adulterous wife, she's also a wife who's now in slavery, so he's asked to buy her back, to redeem her. But he wasn't only being asked to take his wife back, he's also being asked to take his children back, and look after his children as well. And so if we go back to chapter 1, we'll see that his and Gomer's children have got names that are meaning very, something very troubling for Israel. Stick with me, this is important. So, chapter 1, verse 4. The Lord said to Hosea, call him Jezreel. So their first son is called Jezreel. Now Jezreel means God scatters. The reason he's called Jezreel is because in the valley of Jezreel, a previous king of Israel is assassinated by Jehu, who founded a dynasty of kings of which there is now Jeroboam on the throne. Who is the king at the start when Hosea starts his prophecies? And so this this boy, who is his own son, is called Jezreel, which means God scatters, which is a portent of the judgment of God that is coming on Israel. So that's his first son. His second child is a girl, and she is called Lo-Ruhamah. If you look at verse 6, Lo-Ruhamah. And it tells you the translation of Lo-Ruhamah, which means not loved. Gomer conceived again and gave birth to a daughter. Then the Lord said to Hosea, call her Lo-Ruhamah, which means not loved. So this is a, a, a picture of, the, of, the, of the, the, the fact that God's love for Israel is going to be taken away in judgment and destruction. So he's got a son called God Scatters, he's got a daughter called Unloved One, and then he's got another child, a boy, who's called Lo-Ami. Verse 9. Then the Lord said to him, Call him Lo-Ami, which means not my people, for you're not my people, and I'm not your God. So, it, you see, God is speaking very clearly to the people. He's saying, I am about to break off my relationship with you. 
not my people. You don't belong to me, says God. So can you see why this is a really big thing for Hosea to be asked to do by God, to take back his wife and take back his children? This is a big thing, serious thing. And then it's only when Hosea realises that this God is asking him to do this for a reason, it's only then can he make sense of it. And he says in chapter 3, verse 1, the Lord said to me. And so what Hosea is doing, you see, is, is a mirror image of what God is going through with his people, Israel. Marriage, if you like, is a mirror image of the covenant that God makes with us when we commit ourselves to him in love and service. And so whenever I do a wedding, it it's, it's, it's immense, uh, amazes me, the immense commitment that the couple are being asked to do and to take on with each other, to commit to each other. When two people are pronounced husband and wife, that is the promise of living faithfully with each other for the rest of their lives, to love and honour and cherish each other and be faithful to the end of their lives. That is the covenant agreement of marriage. And so this, you see, is at the heart of what Hosea is saying to Israel. Hosea has, has promised to be faithful to Gomer, but she has not lived out her side of the agreement. But even so, God says, take her back again. Take Gomer back again. And so this is why Hosea is called, often called the prophet of the broken hearts. But in the midst of his heartache and his sorrow, he must have come nearer than most to understanding the depths of God's love for us in sending Jesus to die for us on the cross. Okay, secondly, let's think about the covenant of love with his people Israel a little bit more in detail. What does it mean? And how breaching this is such a serious thing. And so a clue to that seriousness comes in the, in the key verse in chapter 3, verse 1, where it says, Love her as the Lord loves the Israelites, though they turn to other gods and love the sacred raisin cakes. Now you can miss the irony of this a little, you can miss it so easy. The irony of this verse you see, God has promised Israel that he will be faithful to her always, so long as she stays under his care and protection, so long as they obey him, so long as they do what he's asking them to do. They would, she, Israel, would, would enjoy the favour of God as his people, Israel. However... Again and again, the, the Old Testament is a, a litany of, of the failings of Israel to, to, to go along with their side of the agreement. To, to, and they fall down again and again. They fail in their side of the bargain. And they continually turn to other gods. And it's summed up here by this little saying of how they prefer to offer raisin cakes to the fertility, for the fertility gods at the time of harvest. God's covenant with his people was a solemn agreement. It was forged in adversity and it was sealed in the heat of the desert of Sinai. And this covenant is exclusive. No other gods. You shall take no other gods but me. And if you do, you've got yourselves to blame, says God to his people. But it still doesn't quite fully explain this, um, the nature of the covenant between God and his people. 
Now, the word covenant is different to contract. Uh, Miriam's studying law, and she's studying a bit of contract law. Um, so she'll probably know about this. So when we make a, an agreement, when we make a contract, that is an agreement that you make to buy a house or to start a job. You sign a contract. And so when you sign a contract, you are signing something that binds both parties to that agreement. That is a contract agreement. So long as both parties stick to the agreement made. So if one party fails in their side of the agreement, the other side is released from the agreement. Now that is different to a covenant. This is a covenant. God makes with his people a covenant. And a covenant is more like a parent-child relationship than a contract. So if one of my girls fails to do something that I've asked them to do, I don't just wash my hands and say, well, that's it. You know, I'm not your dad anymore. I've had it. You know, I, I, I don't. I don't say I'm going to give up on you and that's it. I don't say that as their dad. Now, I carry on being their dad and I carry on loving them anyway. So the covenant with Israel is like that. It's one of love and justice. Love and justice. He's got the love of the parent, the love of the father of his children, yes, and yet also the justice demands that they do what he's asking them to do. The balance is there. And so you see now why Hosea is, there's a stark warning coming through from Hosea to, to Israel right now. And they face their clear choice of being, you know, of either you turn back to God and repent or you face annihilation. And Hosea, if you read it, there's, there's some chilling words in it. And these are words from chapter 13 of Hosea. Israel has a chance to live, but is too foolish to take it. She must be punished for rebelling against me. Her people will die in war. So let's look now finally at the covenant love that God has with you and me. So was, was there any hope for Israel? Was there? Well, there was hope. Israel was warned again and again, and yet they never took the chance of repenting and saying sorry and coming back to God, despite the warnings of Hosea and the other prophets. But what about you and what about me? Well, we are in the privileged position of being able to review, look back and read the whole episode of the way that Israel comes to be destroyed, and we can see where they went wrong. It's a bit like, you know, Liz Truss's tenure as Prime Minister. Was it 47 days or something like that? You know, we can, we can review her, her tenure as Prime Minister. We can look back and we can see the failings she made. We can see the mistakes she made as Prime Minister all too easily. Did she say sorry? I'm not sure she did. But we have the opportunity to say sorry to God and come back to him. And yet making that decision to repent, to say sorry, is as urgent and as important and as demanding as it was for the ancient Israelites. Remember, this book speaks into your life and my life as, as clearly as it did to the people of God then. It speaks to us now. In, in one sense, yes, it's ancient history, but it is the living word of God. It's timelessly true and it speaks to us about our worship of God, true worship. Worship that, as Jesus says, that is of spirit and of truth. 
He wants us to worship him with all our heart and soul and mind and strength. And so a a key question, as lots of questions come out of Hosea, but a key question that comes out of this portion of scripture for us perhaps is this. Are we a people who are desiring to come to God to be shaped and moulded by him and his spirit? A couple of uh, people have quoted uh, another verse from a different prophet this week, and I think it's worth bringing in at this point. It's Isaiah 54, verse 10. Isaiah, a major prophet, uh, says this, Though the mountains be shaken and the hills be removed, Yet my unfailing love for you will not be shaken, nor my covenant of peace be removed, says the Lord, who has compassion on you. We live, as Ivan was saying last week in his sermon, we live in a world of change, constant change. And we each make mistakes, we each fall down, we each go our own way sometimes. But, in the midst of all that, God says, as Isaiah says, his love for you will not be shaken, nor my covenant of peace be removed. We live in the new covenant. We live in an era of, uh, of, of, the, of the new covenant. And this is the covenant that has been forged by Jesus by dying on the cross for us. His blood seals the covenant between us and God. And that is a a covenant of promise. And God always keeps his side of the agreement. He loves us and he will keep on loving us with an everlasting love. He never gives up on us. He looks at us with love and compassion. He sees who he is calling us to become and to be. God woos us, calls us back to him. And so as I finish, let me read some words from the end of Hosea. This is Hosea 14. And uh, you may want them open, you just may want to hear them as I read them to you. And uh, it's Hosea 14, 4 to 7. And as I read these words, maybe just have your, maybe have your eyes closed, just have your heart open to hear how God's love and faithfulness is with us now and ask the Lord are we willing am I willing to be shaped and moulded by the love of God I myself will heal their waywardness says the Lord and love them freely for my anger has turned away from them I will be like the Jew to Israel he will blossom like a lily like a cedar of Lebanon he will send down his roots His young shoots will grow. His splendor will be like an olive tree. His fragrance like a cedar of Lebanon. People will dwell again in his shade and they will flourish like the corn. They will blossom like the vine. Israel's fame will be like the wine of Lebanon. So let's pray. Father, we thank you again for your word that speaks to our hearts. Words written so long ago and yet words so relevant to us today. 
And we thank you, Lord, for the covenant that you have sealed by your blood. The covenant that calls us back to you. The covenant that leads us into your love that is never-ending. Well, thank you that you are the one who picks us up and dusts us down and says, start again. Thank you, Lord, for your unfailing, faithful love. In Jesus' name. going to spend a little time in prayer now. Again, first of all, let us marvel at the constancy and the faithfulness of the love of God. Peter quoted in Isaiah, the Lord says to us, he says it to us individually and I believe he's saying to it to us at church, though the mountains are shaken and the hills taken away, yet my love for you, my steadfast love for you will not be shaken and my covenant of peace will never be taken away, says the Lord who has compassion on you. time of quiet as we marvel at the unfailing love of, of Christ and of our, our Father God despite all our failings let's just wait on Jesus for a moment and ask him to show us anything that is that needs dealing with Peter, are we a people who desire to come to God to be shaped by him and by his spirit? And we have to ask ourselves regularly, is there anything I'm doing that is making me turn away from God? The way the Israelites turned away and that Hosea had to reenact. What is God asking us to forsake so that we may be made more like him? It could be all sorts of things. It could be greed, sexual fantasies, addiction of one sort or other. Whatever it is the Lord is laying on your and putting his finger on, he has the power to set us free from as we turn from it. Whether it's anger, resentment, pride, it's 
So as Jesus stands in, in our midst now, let's bring these things to him. And see him on the cross dying for each one of those, those things we've confessed. Let's see him taking them into himself and putting them to death. And then let us see him again rising from the dead, rising and seated at the right hand of the Father, praying for us and sending us his Holy Spirit to be our advocate, to be our help, to be our strengthener. covenant that Jesus made with each one of us to restore us to how God created us to be has been sealed in his blood and we're going to remind ourselves of that in a moment or two when Peter comes and celebrates communion. But first of all let us once again marvel in our next song at the grace and the constancy of God's love. Your mercy 
stand complete in Jesus. That is our inheritance as sons and daughters of, G of God. The scripture talks about the accuser of the brethren coming and reminding us of our sins and scripture says that we have overcome by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of our testimony and we not, love not our lives to the death. Loving not our lives, amongst other things, involves renouncing the things that we have just dealt with. But also we overcome by the word of our testimony. So we're therefore going to have a very short creed where we state what we believe. And you'll find it on the screen. Do you believe and trust in God the Father, source of all being and life, the one for whom we exist? Do you believe and trust in God the Son, who took our human nature, died for us, and rose again? We believe and trust in him. Do you believe and trust the God, in God the Holy Spirit, who gives life to the people of God and makes Christ known in the world? We believe This is the faith of the Church. This is our faith. We believe and trust in one God. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. And Paul reminds us in Letter to the Romans that because of what Jesus did, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So in a moment we will share the peace with each other. Again, if anybody, if anybody prefers to keep a distance, would you please be, stay seated or take your seat again? as we um, greet each other in the name of Jesus with his peace. Just remember to wish somebody the peace is to wish the blessing of Jesus upon them. So let's make this a, a time when we share God's blessing with each other. So I say to you, the peace of the Lord be always with you. And let's share the peace for a moment, and after that Peter will lead us in communion.
We're going to use Eucharistic prayer A. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is indeed right, it is our duty and our joy at all times and in all places to give you thanks and praise, Holy Father, Heavenly King, Almighty and Eternal God, through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord. For he is your living word. Through him you have created all things from the beginning and formed us in your own image. Through him you have freed us from the slavery of sin, giving him to be born of a woman and to die upon the cross. You raised him from the dead and exalted him to your right hand on high. Through him you have sent upon us your holy and life-giving spirit and made us a people for your own possession. Therefore, with angels and archangels and with all the company of heaven, we proclaim your great and glorious name, forever praising you and saying together, Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Accept our praises, Heavenly Father, through your Son, our Saviour, Jesus Christ, and as we follow his example and obey his command, grant that by the power of your Holy Spirit, these gifts of bread and wine may be to us his body and his blood. Who, in the same night that he is betrayed, took bread and gave you thanks. He broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way after supper, he took the cup and gave you thanks. He shared it with them and said, Drink this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it, in remembrance of me. Therefore, Heavenly Father, we remember his offering of himself, made once for all upon the cross. We proclaim his mighty resurrection and glorious ascension. We look for the coming of your kingdom. And with this bread and this cup, we make the memorial of Christ, your Son, our Lord. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Accept through him, our great high priest, this our sacrifice of thanks and praise. And as we eat and drink these holy gifts in the presence of your divine majesty, renew us by your spirit, inspire us with your love, and unite us in the body of your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Through him and with him and in him, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, with all who stand before you in earth and heaven, we worship you, Father Almighty, in songs of everlasting praise. Blessing and honour and glory and power be yours for ever and ever. Amen. As our Saviour has taught us, so we pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, 
as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. We break this bread to share in the body of Christ. Though we are many, we are one body, because we all share in one bread. Draw near with faith. Receive the body of our Lord Jesus Christ, which he gave for you, and his blood, which he shed for you. Eat and drink in remembrance that Christ died for you, and feed on him in your hearts by faith with thanksgiving. The stewards will direct you to the tables here at the front, and uh, we have non-alcoholic uh, juice at that table on that side of the church.
Body of Christ keep you in eternal life. Amen. The blood of Christ keep you in eternal life. Amen. hold in prayer those who can't be with us here today. Father, we pray for those who of our fellowship can't be with us here this morning in person. We pray that you would touch them by your spirit, be with them, bless them, encourage them. May they know that you are the one who loves them. In Jesus' name. Amen. And so we pray this prayer together following communion. Almighty God, we thank you for feeding us with the body and blood of your Son, Jesus Christ. Through him we offer you our souls and bodies to be a living sacrifice. Send us out in the power of your Spirit to live and work to your praise and glory. we stand for our final hymn, which is Love Divine, All Love's Excelling.
actually really so, so sums up, I think, where we're at with what God is trying to say to us at the moment. So, just before we finish, a few thank yous. Thank you for Aidan on the, de on the PA desk, to Ian on the, on the projection desk, to Naomi and Miriam, who um, have been completely off camera the whole time, so, uh, but, but thank you for coming in and um, singing, particularly as most of the songs you didn't know. Well done. Thank you to Peter for preaching. Thank you to all the body of Christ for being here. So let's finish by saying the grace together. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all evermore. Amen. I forgot to say, everybody, if anybody can give a hand, just to remind you to help put out tables for this afternoon's um, memorial service, that would be greatly appreciated. Thanks very much.